We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the battles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll begin the show with some genre-related news. Another delay for NASA's Artemis 1, this time due to a fuel leak. Engineers made several attempts to stop the leak during countdown to no avail. Today's scrubbed launch attempt means that NASA will have to wait until at least Monday for their next launch window. This was the second delay for Artemis following Monday's cancellation. Artemis 1 is NASA's first test flight of the Artemis program to return astronauts to the moon by 2025. This mission is an uncrewed test of the Space Launch System, NASA's most powerful rocket ever, and its Orion spacecraft to make sure both vehicles are safe for astronauts. If NASA is unable to launch on Monday, another attempt could be made Tuesday, September 6th. However, the window for launch that day is only 24 minutes. If NASA is unable to launch in its current window, the agency would likely have to wait until October to make its next attempt. DC Entertainment has announced that there will be no DC Fandome event this year. The virtual event had been held during the past two years of the pandemic to release trailers from DC movies and television projects. Last fall's Pandome, Fandome, sorry, last fall's Fandome, that was alliterative, that's what got me, garnered 66 million viewers worldwide. A representative said in a statement, with the return of in-person events, Warner Brothers Discovery is excited to be able to engage with our fans live at numerous Comic-Cons around the world and will not be scheduling a Fandome for 2022. According to Warner Brothers Discovery, last Sunday's Episode 2 of the Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon, drew 10.2 million viewers through HBO and HBO Max platforms. This represents a 2% increase over the series premiere. Although that episode was HBO's most viewed premiere of all time, House of the Dragon has not matched Game of Thrones Season 8, which was viewed by 17.9 million. The show received an early renewal for a second season last Friday. And as of last Friday, HBO reports that the viewership numbers for the premiere had risen to 20 million across all platforms. Viewership for the premiere has now risen to close to 25 million. The Han Solo blaster prop from Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope, sold at a Rock Island auction company auction last weekend 
for the paltry sum of $1,057,500. This exceeded expectations as the prop had been projected to sell for between $300,000 and $500,000. The prop is reportedly one of only three surviving original DL-44 heavy blaster pistol props used during the filming. And I was kind of tickled because even after all these years, I had no idea that Han Solo carried a DL-44 heavy blaster pistol. <laughs> Preview pages from the upcoming Fantastic Four Full Circle were released earlier this week. The all-new Marvel Comics graphic novel written and illustrated by renowned artist Alex Ross is due out September 27th. It's Ross's return to drawing long-form sequential art for the first time in over 15 years. The artist's apparent goal was to impress himself. Ross was quoted by The Hollywood Reporter as having said, I wanted to present a version of the Fantastic Four as close to a Jack Kirby style he envisioned for the series as he created the characters. His style informed the first 10 years of their existence, and it's the shadow all artists have been working under for these last 60 years. I thought there was a way to connect with the pop art of the time period if I changed what I did and presented that style and not my traditional painted style. You can view the preview pages on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. We're saddened to learn of the passing of Diane Newman. She was a seminal creator in the underground comics movement, one of only a handful of female writer artists in that space. Her first work was in 1973 in women's comics. Newman was also a regular contributor to Arcade, Young Lust, El Perfecto, and Weirdo, and was the creator of DD Glitz and the co-creator of Twisted Sisters with Aline Kaminsky-Crum. She was 75. Today, we're talking about some of these news items and in particular what it is that keeps us as fans coming back time and time again to the mediums and genres we love. Joining me are Brian Lyles, Mike Lunsford, and Jake Bozek. Everybody, welcome to the show. Hello, come and watch. How's it going? It's a really big show. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I, there may be a few listeners out there who are venerable enough to remember Ed Sullivan. But that was something he used to say. I've got a really big show for you tonight. <laughs> well, it's always a big show with Fantastic Forum. So, yeah. Hey, uh, you guys, were there any of these items that spoke to you? Uh, I mean, you know, a lot going on in terms of real science now. I mean, mm -hmm. this Artemis One return to the moon. We really should be on Mars by now. But... <laughs> You know, I mean, any of that or, uh, you know, actually, I did want to say something about this uh, Alex Ross mm. uh, Fantastic Four full circle thing because, yeah. man, I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at those pages, but the pages are, to borrow an expression from Julian Lytle, it's <laughs> fire. <laughs> it's fire, you know? Yeah. And I, I have felt that 
Fantastic Four does not really get their due in the Marvel Universe. I mean, I think they've sort of been, even though the FF is like the founding first family of the Marvel Universe, uh, they've kind of been bald-headed stepchildren in this time since the ascent of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But Mm -hmm. I was really impressed. I'm just curious as to Mm -hmm. what you guys thought. I followed uh, Alex Ross recently on Twitter, like recently, like I would say a good two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I've always been impressed with his work. Um, you know, just the artistry that ha- the details of, you know, not just only the Marvel characters, but of course everyone knows him for Kingdom Come um, and how he, you know, drew Superman and, and Captain Marvel, aka Shazam. And you know those characters uh, in the DC side. Um, when I saw that he put out the cover for uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Four Full Circle, because that's the name of the book, I think he's calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, holy, wow! <laughs> you know, this is like, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I know he's good, but he's like this really, really good. And then seeing some of the preview art for uh, for this. Um, I know he had, he, it was like a sort of like a, a side panel of, of, of an F, F issue where the, the Reed Richards and everybody else was looking at Annalis and, and he did sort of like a redone version of it. And, you know, and I was like, oh, this, this is very impressive. I mean, he, the shadowing, the details. Um, the look of again, he has that Jack Kirby esque look, but in addition to Alex Ross, and Alex Ross always has that, like it's almost like you're looking like he did a uh, a self portrait of somebody. This is what you know Reed Richards would look like, and it would look really, really cool. So I'm I'm impressed, and I can't wait to get this book. I really would like to get this book because it, it would reinvigorate. Uh, me of uh, reading Fantastic Four and leading into when the movie comes in in two years. Mm-hmm. Jake, you look like you had thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, it's cool because Alex Ross is so knowledgeable, especially of that era of comics. He really seems to love that kind of uh, the 60s, 70s era, especially when he draws, you know, Superman or Batman. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is the last time he did interiors, but the last time I remember picking up a book where he did interiors was Mass Number One by Dynamite, which was like all the pulp here. It was like Pulp Avengers, and that was like I was like, oh my god! I mean, like this. Look at this. You know, this is amazing. You know, there's you know the Green Hornet and there's uh you know the Shadow and everything. So I mean, I you know I yeah I mean I'm definitely in and definitely excited to check it out. I mean, he has such a you know kind of unique you know realistic style, but then you know when he does throw in kind of the the different colors and the um, you know, especially when he draws like Iron Man, he draws mm-hmm. like the uh, the reflection on the armor. I mean, like that yeah. must be insane. I mean, that that must be absolutely yeah. insane to, to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he's he's a legend and and um, an icon in the industry for a reason. So, yeah, to have him on something as big as at least in the comics world right now as Fantastic Four and and like we were talking about with the MCU. I mean, hopefully, when they do eventually show up in the MCU, people will realize, oh wow, these these guys are awesome. You know, mm-hmm. they've only been around for sixty years, but you know, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully it'll really help them get their due. I mean, you know, we saw that with, you know, as much as even Daredevil. You know, I think a lot of people didn't really realize how great of a character that was until you put it on the big screen or small screen and then people really see it and then 
you know, the great thing is the books are there. Mm-hmm. You know, the books are there to read, and and um, and hopefully, uh, yeah, fantastic for you know the first family really get their due. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, you said that was uh, Dynamite? I think it was Mask, yeah. uh, number one, did Dynamite. It was Dynamite Comics or Dynamite, um, I think, were the, was the uh, publisher that, that did that, that run. And yeah, I think he did. I think he did covers for those, obviously, because he said... It was Mask, M-A-S-K? Yeah, M-A-S-K-S, I think, Masks. And um, uh, yeah, he did the interiors number one and then, um, and then just was doing covers for the rest. But yeah, it was absolutely stunning work. Really great. I'm sorry. I'm asking because I'm looking it up now. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I've heard about this. Yeah. IDW. Was it? It I, seems. Was it? Well, okay. no, no. Sorry, that's Angel Masks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's been yeah, Mass Dynamite. Yep. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to mess Look that up. It. But yeah, I think there was two separate volumes of it: Mass One and Mass Two, and it was yep. really cool. If you're mm-hmm. a fan of uh, pulp, the pulp heroes, especially, um, yeah, they all team up, <laughs> and it's it's really awesome. And yeah, that first issue is drawn by Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. It looks like it's affordable too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna have to pick this up. Wait, is, is, is <laughs> yep. that it? Yeah. There, there we go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They, we they, got a winner. <laughs> yeah. The Alex Ross covers are just fantastic. <laughs> they did a lot of great covers. A lot of great artists on that on that series as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, when you were explaining that, I had heard about this thing before because mm-hmm. I'm a real big fan of pulp heroes oh, you know, like so the phantom good. and doc savage and mm. folks like that yep. and the idea that there was some book where they teamed up i'm yeah. like yeah and i had forgotten about it until you mentioned it yes. i'm like i had meant to follow up on that <laughs> seeing That's green it. hornet and kato team up with the shadow in the first issue <laughs> pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> and i'll bet green hornet and kato had those old style unis on too oh right? yeah 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 well, uh, yeah because uh, i think green hornet has the full face mask yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and um you know has like the hornet on the mask yep. and stuff yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the best look yeah. mm. hey are you guys familiar there was a uh, green hornet cereal that came out years ago all i remember i mean yeah i mean like 40s years ago and uh, key luke played kato in this thing and i i've seen you know it's black and white you know mm. cereal and i've seen stills from it but it always cracks me up because I'm like, wow, Key Luke, who was master on the old Kung Fu with oh, David Carradine, okay. and, and like, but he was in his he was in his prime, mm. and so he was Kato, and I was like, oh, dude, <laughs> wow, you know, because my Green Hornet was uh, the uh, Greenway Green Hornet, you know, with mm, Bruce Lee course, and yeah. Van Williams and yeah. all of that. So it's just I'm just tickled anytime I hear about that. <laughs> hey, Mike. Well, what about you? I, I don't want you to feel left out since you're okay, remote. So this is going to be one of the first times that I'm actually glad I'm saying um, uh, that I'm on Fantastic Forum and I'm at home and not in the studio <laughs> because um, what I'm about to say might have things thrown at me. Um, I, there, I'm sure everybody has something like this, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV series, whether it's an artist, whether it's a musician that you respect because you're like, yes, they are technically proficient. They are an amazing artist. I just don't dig them. That's mm. me and Alex Ross. Like, Alex Ross is an amazing artist. I just don't like his art style. Mm. And, like, there's something about it, like, especially, like, his cover stuff. Because it is. it is. It's it's realistic. It's like, hey, if you – what if Superman was a dude you worked with in your office? Like, that's what it looks like. That's how realistic it is. And I, I appreciate that and I respect that. But there's just something about it I don't like. Um, however, looking at the Fantastic Four stuff, I love that he's doing the full book. <laughs> and, like, that looks, having it, been said. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's more the cover stuff of his that I don't like. Because like all of his interiors, all like when he's actually doing the panels, like it, I love it. It's great. It's just like 
he needs to do the whole book because it, when it's just the cover, everybody's like, "Oh, this is fantastic." I'm like, "Eh, it's okay." <laughs> <laughs> well, when yeah. something like gets built up, sometimes too. Yeah. I mean, and and everybody is on Alex Ross's jock. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like stupidly. Yeah, everybody's I mean, like, so he's yeah, amazing. He's the best artist ever, and I'm like, eh, he's pretty good. <laughs> And then, like, the, yeah, the hate that I get for that. They're like, why don't you like him? I'm like, I just, it's not that I don't like him. It's just not, you it's prefer not my style. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's when fair. people are like, oh, he does the best Batman. I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are some ups and downs. I mean, like you just yeah. mentioned Batman. Batman is kind of like, you know, it could be a bit more something. You know, he, he kind of has this mixture of a of a sort of like a, a modern day Batman with an Adam West Batman you know, mixed in. It, it's hyper realistic mm. is the thing. Yes. And, yeah. and and that I really appreciate. In fact, uh, Jake had been saying something, you know, about when Alex Ross does Iron Man and mm. how you can see the reflection of stuff in the armor, you know, because it's all shiny. And what honestly, what bothers me is the guy uses models, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it doesn't really bother me. But you know, a lot of painters do that. But but I understand uh, where all of y'all are going, and Brian, uh, that could that, that could be like a whole show yeah. in terms <laughs> of who's Alex Ross Batman. Batman. <laughs> well, and, and I was going to say, what artist does the best Batman? Oh, I mean, man. Yeah, we, could, I, we only yeah. got a couple more, you know, 40 <laughs> minutes I could that's, do. Uh... That's what I'm saying. I mean, I just rattle off Jim Aparo, <laughs> yeah. Neil Adams, yeah. Marshall Rogers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make a case for a whole bunch of dudes oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, who draws Batman the best. Let's I mean, that's nerdy. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. And that will make an excellent show at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, but um, but yeah. So all that to say, I'm I'm really looking forward to it too. Mm-hmm. And I was giving you the side eye, Mike, up until you said, "Yeah, but this I kind of <laughs> like," and I'm like, "Oh, there you go. All is forgiven," you know. Because and I I appreciate what Ross himself. <laughs> this is the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. Oh, hold that thought, Yuli. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on W E R A ninety six point seven. FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm here today with Mike Lunsford, Jake Bozek, and Brian Lyles. We were just talking a little bit about the upcoming Fantastic Four Full Circle, which has been illustrated by comics great Alex Ross. It is due out September 27th at your local comics retailer. And I had just been getting ready to conclude a thought about all that because I was telling Mike that all is forgiven for his heresy of saying that uh, he did not prefer Alex Ross's art. But then when you said, yeah, but this is okay, I was like, all is forgiven. And I appreciate what Ross himself was saying about how he tried to sort of copy Jack Kirby style and went on to explain that Kirby put his stamp on the Fantastic Four during like the first hundred or so issues of that book, which he illustrated, by the way, and uh, he and Stan Lee held the record, I want to say, up until like the Savage Dragon of being the artistic team that had worked on the highest consecutive number of issues of a comic book, but I digress. But there are, there's no argument at all that Kirby 
absolutely put his stamp on the Fantastic Four. And that was something that I noticed when I was looking at those preview pages, particularly when it came to the look of Reed Richards, Johnny Storm, uh, Sue, well, all of them, you know, but, but Reed stood out for me, and I've always been a big fan of Reed Richards. Uh, I, what can I say? It's like I like, I like the smart people, and I think it's important uh, to have a scientist and... He was not merely a respected scientist, but Reed Richards was the smartest guy in the Marvel Universe. And, um, you know, that was a big deal to me. So mm-hmm. uh, and the stuff that he created. I mean, just anyway, you know, but I, I, <laughs> do I you like, go down Do you like bearded uh, Reed Richards or clean shaven? I prefer clean shaven Reed, okay. Reed Richards, you know. Although, when he has been on a bender in his lab and well, he's got five you know o'clock shadows. That's when you know he's in, you know, the world's in trouble when he's got a beard coming because he doesn't have time to shave. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, and, and plot device. That's yeah. right. Thank mm-hmm. you. Stuff's going down. Yeah. That, yeah. that is exactly what I was going to say, Mike. So, yeah, well, at least if we're all looking forward to this and, uh, you know, it's cool that that came up because Jake was able to remind me about masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I surely want to follow up on that. But um, something else. And, and we were talking about this before the show came on, and I, I kind of wanted to pivot back to it because, in a way, this sort of gets us to that topic that I was talking about in terms of what keeps us coming back. But when you were first starting to mention just this bit about full circle, uh, Mike, I, I was I was remembering because I thought you were getting ready to say something about this Game of Thrones spinoff, House <laughs> of the Dragon. Because it sounded very similar to what you were talking about. Now, I've seen the first two or three, I can't even remember, I think it's first two, sorry, episodes of House of the Dragon that have been out. Jake and Brian watched the original House of Cards, but uh, have not seen any uh, of, sorry, Game of House Thrones. Of, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yes, thank Man, you. this House of Dragon... House Woo! of Dragons is so different than House of Cards. <laughs> yeah, uh, only only House of Cards just didn't have dragons. It had like human dragons, but that, that that's I digress. Uh, but Mike, you haven't seen any of it, and nope. I and I thought that was interesting because you weren't you weren't being haughty about it. I mean, I remember no. there was a meme that I saw where somebody had put out, and they're like, uh, "Because it's okay, because it's pop culture," you know. I mean, and. A lot of people don't go for that you know, when stuff gets too popular, which I absolutely understand. But the meme, you know, was I've never seen a, an episode of Game of Thrones, <laughs> not a single solitary episode. You know, and and you know, like they were bragging about it, like they're proud of it and stuff. And that's fine. Look, if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to watch it. Mm. But what I always said to people who posted that was. Game of Thrones is actually a book by George R. R. Martin. You know, so take that, <laughs> you haughty sob. But, uh, but I, I again, you weren't being haughty about it, and I'm very proud of the fact that I've never seen an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, for example. So, uh, but uh, Mike, uh, talk talk a little bit about that. So yeah, like it, it was never. So first off, I like high fantasy. Like, I, I love Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I read the Lord of the Rings stuff when I was a kid. Um, I love any of the Conan stuff. Shoot, I read the Conan books when I was a kid. Like, I like high fantasy. I have no issue with it. I just never got into Game of Thrones, mostly because at one point, the only way to get it was to have HBO, and I didn't have HBO. I wasn't paying extra for it. Um, so it was like one of those things where 
could I get into it? Yeah, sure. I'm sure if I watch it, I would enjoy it very much. But, like, it's, eh. I got other <laughs> things to watch, you know? And, like, I'll watch it at some point, I'm sure. And it might be ten years from now. And I'll be like, guys, did you know Game of Thrones was this good? And everybody's be like, yeah, we did when it first came out. Um, it, it's it's just not, it's not a big enough deal for me to, like, make a point to watch it. And, like... Again, would I watch it? Yeah, there's plenty of people that are that I interact with that love it and tell me how great it is. But like, it also gets to a point too, and maybe this is just from me growing up, like kind of in like being like half Gen X, half millennial. But like, when some when everybody's telling me how cool something is, I'm automatically like, there's no way it's that cool. So therefore, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the way. That, that's kind of the point that I've gotten. Like when somebody tells you how awesome a band is, and you're just mm, like, they can't mm. be that good. I, I don't care. I don't want to <laughs> listen to them. No, they're horrible. I hate them. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, like all that, all that say, all, all that I just said, just to say, like, yeah, I'll probably watch it at some point. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate any time something gets built up that it, one's expectations are made even larger, and that has been my issue. Anytime somebody tells me how great something is, and I generally will try to manage my own expectations of whatever it is because I've had problems with that in fact that that's what happened to me as I famously say when I went in to watch um, Batman uh, the Dark Knight and uh, I was expecting the greatest comic book movie ever made and it just wasn't and so because I had built my expectations up so high I just, I mean, I was completely unimpressed by that movie. And hmm. to this instant, there are people who will tell you that it's the greatest comic book movie of all time. And it's just, I hope none, none of you guys are that guy. But <laughs> I'm never coming back on this show ever again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, nobody gets banned. I, I, honestly, the only thing you can do that has me, like, looking at you side eyes if you can't get here on time. <laughs> it's like, you can't get here by the broadcast. It's like, mm-hmm. Well, real quick, going back to what Mike was saying, I really appreciate that that kind of the way of looking at it because I, I'm the same way, kind of, where it's like I want to. It's this is going to sound so kind of whatever, <laughs> but like I, I kind of want to discover the thing on my own, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I have, mm-hmm. like I've had plenty of people, uh, uh, probably even Game of Thrones, because I didn't watch Game of Thrones as it aired. I, I I kind of binged up until season seven, then I think I watched the last season as it aired. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, it was kind of the thing where like I had to have that spark that made me want to go in you know what mm-hmm. i mean like pe- like mike was saying like, people could tell me uh, something's as great as it's going to be you know or how great something is breaking bad for example took me a while to watch mm. um but uh, th- but i also say like you know it's never going anywhere you know it's mm-hmm. always going to be there if you want to watch it it's always going to be there um and, and, and actually for now for mike it's even better because you don't have to wait years in between seasons <laughs> yeah. um, oh, I, remember, yeah. I remember i binged the first oh. seven seasons and then i had like two years and i kind of like forgot everything because i'm terrible with my memory and stuff um i was also always this is kind of just the, the funny thing but i was always praying that Game of Thrones was going to be a backdoor pilot for Conan the Barbarian. Like, <laughs> we were, like everyone was saying who that was going to be on the uh, Iron Throne at the end, yeah. and I was praying the end was just going to be you know Jon Snow, whoever's going to go do his thing, and you just see the sword sh- slash down, and his Conan sits down. It's like you know Conan the Barbarian coming summer of twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what I, driven before you hear the lamentation. Exactly, the that's what I was praying for, King Conan or something. But mm. um, that would have been great. yeah. But like I said, the, my thing is it's always going to be there, you know, and and mm-hmm. um, uh, it's you know I wish I could go back and experience sections of Game of Thrones for the first time, you know? <laughs> well, for me, it's, again, I, I was a late viewer of Game of Thrones, because, but mainly I was, you know, flipping channels, and like you said, you needed a spark. Mm-hmm. My spark wasn't a scene, it wasn't, you know, an event, 
it was just one person, Amelia Clark, mm. Dan Harris. That's it. And, that. Yeah. So, and I just, I, whenever she was on, I'm in it for whatever amount of seconds she's there, and I'm gone. And because I, the entire story was to me, it was like, ain't it, it's not that really interesting because I, it's your medieval Earth political stories. All right, fine. So when things got really good towards the last, I would say the last three seasons, and especially leading up to you know the Dead Walkers, the, you know, and all that stuff, and you know the everything was you know getting intense towards the end i was like i just mainly focused because i knew foil was like she was the real main interest interest of that story mm. and the prequel now it's kind of like okay why well, don't want to go back to 180 plus years or almost 180 years <laughs> to see danny's family and see their fall i don't want to see that and i don't care she ain't in it so I it's that's not my interest. <laughs> so Well honestly, you're not gonna see the Targaryens fall in this because you Well know, they may lead it's, into it depending on how they do things. So you the, know how the, you the know the how the Targaryen they... dynasty didn't actually fall until uh, the um, rebellion of Robert Baratheon. Mm. So it was real contemporary. We ain't gonna get nowhere near any of that <laughs> in this. This that's why it's called House of the Dragon. <laughs> I mean, there are like ten living dragons running around at this point. I mean, none of them are. I think Baleron, you know, who was like the big. They they he was he was the one with the big ass skull mm. that you saw in the thing, and that tripped me out. I remember in Game of Thrones because. Mm. You know, they had moved this. The skulls used to be displayed prominently in King's Landing, you know, in the in the keep, in the Red Keep or whatever. And then they moved them down, you know, to like the basement because dragons had been gone from the earth for so long. Mm. But I was like, I think it was like Cersei or somebody or, or you know, stand in front of it. Or it might have been uh, Arya running around there. But big ass <laughs> dragon skull. And I was like. <gasps> that should be the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, good gracious. So um, anyway, though, but I also understand uh, the the whole precipitating event or having something to draw you in, and goodness knows there were enough of those uh, for me. With in fact, I I thought Game of Thrones was going to be something completely different. I I was like, oh, what's this like a Lord of the Rings ripoff? Oh. And I'm watching a whole thing. And uh, I was, I mean, I was very unimpressed. I was like, oh, who's this Jamie Lannister? Oh, he's like the hero. <laughs> Look at him, whatever. Oh, and he's got like, you know, his, uh, you know, little man brother and whatever. And oh, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then they push the little boy out the window at the end. And I'm like, <gasps> what is this? You know, anyway. That musical cue means it's time for us to take a short break because Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. That means, among other things, that we're non-commercial. It also means that you can support this wonderful institution of community media, community radio, by visiting the website at WERA.FM and making your tax-deductible gift. You can also visit the website of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at arlingtonmedia.org. And you can make your tax-deductible gift there, or you can find out about how to be a member. We offer classes. It's a wonderful community. I can urge you to consider becoming a part of it. Anyway, look, we still got more Fantastic Forum coming up right after this. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away.
And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Brian Lyles, Jake Bozek, and Mike Lunsford. And when we took the break, we were going on ad nauseum about Game of Thrones, when really we should have been talking about this new thing, House of the Dragon. Don't know if you've had an opportunity to catch it. It's still pretty new, but uh, I've seen the first couple episodes. I've actually enjoyed it. Uh, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to sign up to return to Westeros. A lot of people were very upset with the final season of Game of Thrones. Uh, kind of felt like it went off the rails there at the end. Apparently, George R. R. Martin himself had wanted the season to go on longer, or the series actually, maybe for another couple of years. I think that would have been great because there was a truncated feel to everything. And that bothered me. It seemed as if when they reached the end of the book material that had been available, because, haha, of course, we've been waiting now about 10 years or more for uh, Martin to come out with another book. I was actually in Gaithersburg at Capclave, well-known science fiction convention here locally a few years ago, and George R.R. R. Martin was a guest and he was reading chapters from this upcoming, huh, I don't even know if I can call it the upcoming <laughs> book, The Winds of Winter. And honest to God, that was like 2011. And I'm yeah. like, dude, you yeah. know. But anyway, he wanted the thing to go on longer. And I'm wondering now if uh, that's all we're going to get in terms of that stuff. But spinoff now, and it's all very interesting. Uh, I did cheat a little bit because you can find Game of Thrones or S Song of Ice and Fire or Westeros or whatever you want to call it, uh, wikis now. And so I looked up the Targaryen dynasty and uh, I found out a lot of very interesting things in terms of the history of the Targaryens, uh, including this guy who's on the throne now and uh, his daughter who he has named his heir, and uh, it's all very interesting. I won't spoil anything for anybody, because it's out there for you if you want to follow <laughs> up and look. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I didn't care. I mean, you know, all this stuff is stuff in the past. It's like, mm -hmm. well, I mean, in, in terms of the Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. with which I was familiar in the characters that I knew. And so I just kind of wanted to see... Well, is she going to get to be queen? <laughs> you know, it's like, who's, what happens here? Because I think they're getting ready to do a time jump, as it oh, is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, only because, um, and this isn't going to really spoil anything for you, but between episode two and this latest episode three, um, there's a reason to, like, make a jump of, like, two or three years, okay. you know. So, again, not a substantial time jump, but, oh, we need to advance this thing enough Interesting. so that you... And I suspect that they may do this another couple of times, especially to get age some characters and maybe introduce some other characters or whatever. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's something and, you know, whatever. But... Uh, I, I, I'm going to circle back around 
because I mean, unless there's and actually, heck, even if there is, we can integrate it into this uh, conversation here. But I want to circle back around to that whole what I was talking about in terms of what it is that keeps us coming back as fans. Because this is actually one of those things for me when there have been characters or a story or a world that I'm enamored with and then you give me some new stuff with it, you know? I mean, I'm oh, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of come back and check that out. It's happening also over on Amazon Prime behind uh, this uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which I also saw the first episode of. And let me tell you something. They spent a lot of money. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. The production values are crazy. And they dropped two episodes at once. New episodes are going to drop this every Friday, I, I believe they said. But I was... And I'm not one... I mean, it's based on another one of uh, Tolkien's works, the Silmarillion, which was actually a reference tome. But uh, anyway, uh, I got friends who were deeply, intensely <laughs> into Tolkien and had actually uh, owned and read and referred to regularly to the Silmarillion. And the one thing that I can say, and I was reminding my wife about this earlier today, because I remember a buddy of mine, Mario Brathwaite, uh, who said... A couple of years ago, we were talking about this, and he was telling me about how uh, Galadriel had been really bloodthirsty around this time. And I was like, Galadriel? Really? And yes. <laughs> yeah, it's all I get. Yes. Having seen this first episode, yes. Galadriel don't play. <laughs> Let me tell you. So, so there was that. But yeah, you know, in terms of what keeps you coming back and, uh, you know, why... Why you like all this stuff? Because arguably now, and I've referred to it as the golden age of geeks because <laughs> uh, I used to be ostracized behind liking this stuff. And now I got people calling me, asking my advice and <laughs> asking about how, I mean, stuff as inane as, so Ma Kent sewed Superman's <laughs> costume from the blankets in which he was wrapped in the spaceship. But those blankets are invulnerable under the light of a, light, a yellow sun. So how did she cut and sew these things? And I happen to know the answer, and so I shared this with so a real question I have gotten by a mundane friend who called me up asking about that. But, yeah, so all that to say that this stuff now is more popular than it's ever been. In fact, irritatingly so to some people and you've got uh, major filmmakers who come out in these interviews and they just decry these superhero movies as if it's terrible i mean i was i was reading something earlier today the actor who played black manta in the aquaman movie mm -hmm. was saying that you know it's it's clown show stuff i mean you know but he was referring to uh, serious, and not that this isn't serious filmmaking, but mm. you know, serious historical dramas and stuff like that. You know, versus Aquaman to the Lost Kingdom or whatever. You know, and <laughs> I can't and argue oranges. with that. Yeah, but well, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. Then, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but what what keeps you coming back? You know, I mean, uh, Jake, what keeps you coming back? Man? I mean, it's this will be a broad way to start it, but it's mm -hmm. true. It's just, you know, I love the stories that they're telling, you know, and, and even talking about things like, 
Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings and the like talking about going back in the timeline and the mythos of things. Like I know it's the and I don't remember the exact day or whatnot, but the anniversary for like the Metal Gear Solid games. And I know like you know that's an enti- you know you get to play basically you know, with the character Big Boss. You get to play almost his entire life, and you know and and they you know you know his early life came out years after the first game, and and just discovering new kind of things about. Uh, the characters and and actually a lot of it for me also is wanting to see it adapted you know mm-hmm. um you know i was talking about earlier about a lot of people not really uh, engaging with characters until they see it on the big or small screen mm-hmm. i knew uh deep down that my dad's favorite character of all time was going to be daredevil he just never read a comic book never saw the you know the ben affleck movie um never saw anything and i i just knew like it ticked every box and i was like dad you got to check out daredevil and he's like oh. <laughs> and then finally the show came out and he sends me a text hey, his daredevil guy's pretty sweet <laughs> and, now he, and now he owns every frank miller issue you know bendis oh you know all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so i you know I, I do i really enjoy this is kind of like i guess a kind of a tangent of it but i really enjoy going with like you were talking about the friends who don't know a lot about the material and seeing them kind of fall in love with a character adapted on the screen. Like, I'm a big Judge Dredd fan. I've been waiting forever for the Mega City One show they've been talking about. Mm. You know, I, I would love to go and, and finally see that world explored. Um, you, know, you know, there's the, the Stallone movie, which is kind of like the Adam West era look at uh, of Judge Dredd. And then, um, then there's, you know, the great uh, Carl Urban uh, Dredd movie. But, yeah, just I, I just love the stories and I love the characters and I love checking in and seeing what they're doing and, and where they're going and, and revisiting things. You know, I just, that's, it's, it's as simple as that, but that's the truth. You know, I just mm. love the, the characters and the stories of it. Mm. No, I hear you. Uh, Brian. Um, my main thing is not just the stories, but it's progression or how it can fit. Um, we've had debates on here. Um, when I was on and talked about the Mandalorian and how, to me personally, I felt like it just it. I I, I I'm gonna okay. I digress. How <laughs> I just despise it. And but wait, now that's the Mandalorian, not the book of Boba Fett. Well, both because oh. they. I, oh he, well, he, okay. it's, it's just both. He's an equal opportunity yes. hater. Okay, <laughs> hey, they both almost wear the same outfit, but hey. So, um, but the thing is, it's just. I just really couldn't get into it. I felt like it, it didn't really fit in here until I end up seeing Obi-Wan. And I felt like, yes, this fits. This is, and I, I put that out there saying, this is a Star Wars story. This is how you fit into, you know, the, the, the perfect fit between episode three and going into episode four. And I felt like, yes, I can enjoy Star Wars again like that. I can enjoy, you know, how that particular character evolved. It made me like Obi-Wan a little bit more than, than it was when I was a kid because I'm everyone knows, um, mainly Yulius knows that I'm a Darth Vader fan, period. And just seeing Never him... Never come up, Brian, ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot Mike also knows that, too. Um, so, hail Sith. Anyway, um, I just feel like, you know, seeing Obi-Wan and, and it, especially Ewan McGregor, just that character, he embraced that character so well. And I felt it's like, he drove me in and made me really like that character and that story, you know, the Obi-Wan story to the point where it's like, alright, I really embrace this stuff. As for other shows, um, you know, Mike and I were big fans of the Orville. And, yes. um, oh God, I, I, you talk about, that. this season is just like, it was just a absolute, you know, 
I, I, you just you can't like describe that. it. You just can't because you never anticipated a show when it was off for like a good year, and then have it come back and coming back hard. And it's supposed to be a comedy. And well, not really. Yeah, not really. That's not the really. Thing about yeah. It. yeah, that's the thing. Like all of the. All of the restraints that were on that show when it was still a Fox property, when go. like Fox was 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 pulling the strings on that show, were gone. Yeah. in this season, and you could tell. Yeah, because like it was, oh, dude, they went. Yeah, I, to, to Brian's point, they went hard, and like <laughs> you got to see that, like even though it's not Star Trek, it's Star Trek, mm-hmm. and like you can see that like Seth MacFarlane and the creators of that show really truly understand the spirit of, of what mm. that show, what Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation was really trying to do. And they're doing some really creative things. I'm not going to be one of those people that like pulls the, uh, oh, it's the best Star Trek out there. No, it's not because <laughs> no. it's not Star Trek. Yeah. But you can see where all the influences are. And mm. it's it's really well done and more so like the thing I love and sorry to kind of cut you off here, Brian. Yeah, Brian. But like the thing I love about it is like I love watching people who loved this thing, whatever it is, mm. Star Trek, Star Wars, they get a chance to play in the sandbox of this thing that they loved growing up. Mm-hmm. And you get to see that come through. You saw that with Obi-Wan. You see that with Mandalorian. Like you see that these people really truly love these characters and this the, these things that like really shaped them and now they're like now I get to be the future of them and I think mm. that's awesome mm. Yeah. Hold, hold that thought just a moment you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA dot FM Radio Arlington I'm Ulysses E. Campbell I'm joined today by Jake Bozek Brian Lyles and Mike Lunsford we've been talking a little bit about what keeps us coming back time after time to these genres and projects and um all right so uh mike had said something it was based on something that brian had said i'm gonna pivot back to mike though only because mike was kind of adding to what brian said but i want to hear what mike i mean what mike what keeps you coming back though i mean you fell down that orville rabbit hole that uh brian dug but (laughs) yeah you know in terms of mike lunsford it's funny to me because there's you know we'll use the star wars analogy there's the jedi and the sith when it comes to um these the things we love the, the fandoms because there's the jedi side of it that's very like hey this is cool this is great you know like there's lots to be explored you know all things Everybody has different perspectives, you know, from a certain point of view. Everybody has all these different things that they can bring to the table. But then there's also this very dark side to people who are like, they keep coming back, but they don't like what they're seeing. But therefore, that makes it bad. And like, there's just so much anger and vitriol every single time. Like right now, we're seeing it with She-Hulk. We saw it with Miss Marvel. We see it with, with everything, especially the Star Wars stuff. And like... It's, it's baffling to me because for me, even when I don't like it, it's still good. Like, it's like pizza. Even when pizza's bad, it's still good. <laughs> and, like, I didn't like Book of Boba Fett. There were a couple things I liked about it, but it was just kind of goofy and, like, seemed uneven. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck is going on with this series? But, like, I still ended up watching the whole thing. I was like, cool, Star Wars on TV that I get to watch, something that I wished I had when I was eight. Mm. And now I'm getting it. And, like, I get that people – and I'm not saying that you can't have criticism. Of course, I have criticisms of the show. But, like, 
I just don't understand why people are getting so angry mm. about it. Like, like this ruined my childhood. Did it really? <laughs> was your childhood that fragile? Is your life that fragile now that something that was made that was supposed to be entertaining has ruined everything? Like, you still have, have those memories. Mm. Like, it's it's just it's ridiculous to me that everything has to be hyperbole. Mm. It's never like, eh, it was all right, you know? <laughs> I, I probably won't watch it again. No, this is the worst thing that I've ever seen, and this is an insult to anyone who's ever <laughs> loved the, the franchise, and George Lucas is spinning in his grave, and you're like, you know he's not dead, right? <laughs> and like, it's just like everything has to be extreme, and it's mm. like bro just the chill relax, out man yeah exactly <laughs> just either like it or don't like it but you know it, it doesn't reflect on you as a person it's mm. just a thing that's it and things like that i mean i i don't know i've seen like some you know star trek uh fandom i i told you i i saw um sort of like it was like the the last so it's supposed to be the last season of Star Trek when it was done by somebody else. And um, I was like, dang, this is interesting. It made me oh, you're talking about the fan productions. Yeah. It was either Star Trek Phase 2 or Star Trek Continues. Star Trek Continues, okay. that was it. Mm, yeah. and, and things like that. And seeing people like them who liked the show and, and, and wanted to. teach me coming back, Yeah, keep, you know, things like that. So mm. it, it's because, one, I was hungry for Star Trek. And My I tell people. Fan pe fiction, fan film. Yeah, mm -hmm. stuff, things. And, and, and I tell people um, when after I was finished with the Orville, someone uh, asked me on Facebook to say, oh, is the Orville good? And I was like, you know, I kind of miss Star Trek. And it's like. If you miss Star Trek, see Orville. <laughs> That's because it, you know it's a nice filler until you know either Picard or Discovery comes back. It's a nice filler, and that's what, and I feel like certain shows, you know that you know you're missing one show. There's always another show that can fill it up. If and I, that's why I yeah. felt like that's why I felt like Lord of Rings and House you know House of Dragon. They're like to me, I think is a good filler for those who miss Game of Thrones. And and the Lord of the Ring movies. I that's how I see it. And it's and, and for them it's like, hey, we got something new for you. Enjoy. You know, I know it's been about a good decade or so. Hey, enjoy it. We got something for you. And I, I that's where I'm gonna slight segue to the point where, you know, when things aren't coming to our way, you know, like, you know, when we, we have opportunities to see like something like Batgirl or things like that and we don't get to see those, that kinda hurts me. I feel like, you know, you're depriving people of the opportunity to see a progression of certain characters and certain stories, because I think that's what the fandom want. They want to see the progressions uh, and, and a new take on certain things that are out there. You know, I, I don't know about that whole new take thing. I mean, what I was going to uh, say in response to uh, what Mike just said is I understand being invested in all this stuff and particularly given the length of time i mean you know because i'm i'm the old man right. on the panel here and you know i remember <laughs> in the before time when uh, there wasn't this plethora of stuff mm -hmm. and i mean i remember when logan's run first came out in 1976 Classic. you know we were excited it's like oh boy it's mm -hmm. a science fiction movie because mm -hmm. that was a departure from what you had seen and I, so I get it when there is something that speaks to you, whether it's a comic book story or uh, a TV series or a movie or something, and you take that into yourself, and um, you know, it, and it's tough 
when time passes, and this is one of the things with a lot of these older fans who um, look at, like, say, new Star Trek or, um, you know, the adaptations in the Marvel Universe mm. uh, or, or in some cases, uh, you know, these Peter Jackson films. I know there was some vitriol connected with the Hobbit stories, you know, that, that were <laughs> sprung out of the Hobbit, but a <laughs> lot of made-up material and all that stuff, uh, of course. But it's not what you remember or what you think. But what I say is, even what you remember ain't what you remember. I mean, there's a guy who was, uh, he's actually married to a friend of mine and uh, was a huge Man From U.N.C.L.E. fan. Mm. And then he got a chance to see some Man From U.N.C.L.E., hadn't seen it in all many years, and he's like, this isn't as good as I remember. And it's like, <laughs> dude, what, you it were eight is. when you were watching this stuff? You know? It never I mean, is as good as you remember. Yes. Yeah, you know, so there's some romanticism uh, about some of this, too. So, um, you know, anyway, look, we're almost out of time, and uh, I, I, I just kind of want... Right now, and you all are going to have to observe the time limit. Mm-hmm. I want to give each of you like a maybe a minute or less, you know, to like put a bow on this. <laughs> and uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Well, you know, like like I was saying earlier, I just uh, as long as the stories, you know, keep coming, you know, I'll be I'll be excited and happy. And like Mike was saying, if I if I don't like it, I just move on to the next thing. You know, um, I I don't feel a need to. Uh, to to tell people how terrible something is or if mm. I don't like it um I try my best you know sometimes you get frustrated with things and that's okay but um but yeah I mean I'm just excited like 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 we were saying the golden age of geeks I mean you know how many marvel movies have we seen in the past 10 years you know I mean you know uh, uh you know the netflix stuff with you know seeing sandman on netflix I mean it's it's really oh, really call. it's mm-hmm. really really a great time to be a fan and you know as long as they keep making I'll keep keep watching them keep reading them especially there you go. Mm-hmm. Brian, 45 seconds. 45 go. seconds. Um, again, it's it for me and for anybody probably out there, is it's about the progression it's, you know, of the stories, the characters. Um, hopefully, again, just like Jake said, I mean, we get to see more of it. And, and again, if I'm not a fan of it, then I'm not going to dog it. It's, it's out there for people to see. So I just want to see this universe to continue to expand and, and be happy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mike? The big thing for me is instead of flipping it and saying like how this thing has changed and how this is not the thing that I loved when I was a kid, I look at it as more introspective where I'm like, how am I different now? And what is this thing that I loved when I was younger say to me now? Perfect example is Sandman. I read Sandman when I was enlisted in the military and there were certain parts of it that hit me really hard. And watching the series, there were completely different scenes that hit me harder this time. Mm. And because it's an emotionally impactful series. And like, I thought that was kind of cool. I'm in a different place now. This is what this means to me now as opposed to what it meant to me back then. Um, and that's what this is supposed to be, is sometimes it's not so much a an, ex- an exploration of this story. It's the story I know, but how does it affect me now? Mm, yeah. Hey, and, and just to piggyback on that a little bit uh, in terms of uh, my thing is Star Trek, okay? I mean, not a fan of Abrams' Trek, but really recognize what Leonard Nimoy said in terms of fandom and being accepting he's like where does star trek want to take me now you know i mean you know go along on this journey all right you know, discovery uh, you know strange new worlds uh, it, it, all this is important so you know just because it doesn't resemble what you remember or it's not what you thought in terms of where it should go that doesn't invalidate it anyway look 
I'd like to thank my panelists and you too for having tuned in. Of course, you can get more Fantastic Forum if you visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got complete episodes of the television version. We've got segments broken out. We've got a link to episodes of the radio show. You can also go to any platform where you find your favorite podcasts because Fantastic Forum, thanks to Mike Lunsford and the Great Geek Refuge, is available as a podcast. And we're very grateful that he did that. So, And of course, the show re-airs each and every Thursday right here on WERA 96.7 FM from 3 to 4. And we're in first run each and every Saturday from 4 to 5. Have a great weekend, people, and come back again next week.